This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. to be here. Uh, yours truly, Frank Morano, and uh, what a show we have for you for the next four hours. By the way, I want to welcome aboard all of our uh, many new listeners listening on uh, WCCO in Minneapolis. This is an, a great radio station in a great city. Uh, not only is it a station with a great signal, one of the best in all of the Midwest, 50,000 watts, especially impressive at night, uh, but uh, it has an incredible, incredible history, and we are honored to be on uh, WCCO in Minneapolis. So a big thank you to everyone that is listening to us out there in the Midwest. Want to uh, kick things off uh, with by checking in with a veteran broadcast journalist, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, and uh, one of the most astute observers of news that there is, a veteran broadcast journalist and a radio talk show host at WABC in New York, Dominic Carter. Dominic, what's the story, my man? Hey, good morning to you, Frank, and congratulations on the latest of uh, stations that you are on. Uh, clearly a national show, and you're only growing. You know, I'm, I'm just really pissed off this morning, Frank, to be honest with you. Not about you and the food and the refrigerator. We can get to that. <laughs> but but I, I'm pissed off about, I'm sure it, it, across America, people have seen the video out of New York where those two police officers viciously attacked by this mob of uh, migrants, and then they were let go. They're not even in jail, and they were kicking kicking these police officers in the head. Hey, Frank, I, I just looked at my Twitter, my ex. There's a, a tweet from a gentleman by the name of DMS, and he says, quote, the mob treated the officers as though they were of a different gang, mm. not like the authority figures they are. Now, you've seen the video. You explain it to me, and Frank, you know, you're the smart guy. Tell me, how did our country get to this point where migrants feel emboldened, empowered to beat up police officers? And then when you're let out of, let out of jail a few hours later, you give the bird with both fingers to photographers? I think it's crazy. You know, I mean, uh, the person that really spoke for me was uh, my congresswoman, Nicole Maliotakis, who said, you know, these people ought to be uh, deported Right away. I mean, to me, there's very little 
very little case to be made that these folks ought to be entitled to the hospitality of the U.S. government. And I don't care what their country of origin is, but if you're going to do something like uh, be so egregious that you're going to attack a, a police officer like this, to me, that's, uh, you know, go directly to jail, go directly to your home country, do not pass go, do not collect $200. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, Frank, I'm also trying to figure out what happened to ICE? They, the federal agency to deal with this, they used to be so effective at doing their job, and then they became the punching bag of the left with the uh, political movement. And now, I mean, is ICE? I know they're still around, but it seems like ICE is not even even around anymore. Well, you know, I, I think this goes hand in hand with the sanctuary city policies that a lot of these cities have instituted where they've made very clear that not only are they not going to cooperate with national law enforcement, including ICE, but they're going to be outright hostile to ICE. So I'm not saying that uh, the reason that these police officers was atta- were attacked was because of the sanctuary city policy, but I do think maybe the fact that ICE is a little less... I don't know, quick on the draw, for lack of a better description, to go in and do what ICE always has done is because of the sanctuary city policy in some of these places. You know, Frank Morano, I'm really pissed off at you this morning. <laughs> I really am. And, and you know why? Because you're, you're, you're about to do a regular, right? So you're about to kick me off. And that, that's okay. But I'm going to be up half the night listening to your show with all of these great elements you have coming up. Well, I appreciate that. And um, we are kicking things off in Minnesota today. So we're going to talk in about 15 minutes with uh, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, who's uh, not only a Minnesota institution, but he's been kind of under fire for uh, some of his political views. And a lot of people have questions about uh, what his position is based on the 2020 election, how that's affected his pillow business. We're going to get into that. Also, the uh, Oscar nominations are out. We're going to get into uh, the Oscar nominations with Debbie Schlussel, who always finds a, a political uh, look to uh, some of these films. We're going to get into that. Uh, and then, you know, I, I read this very interesting book about uh, Charles Dickens, who obviously wrote A Christmas Carol, a bunch of other books as well. And uh, uh, there's this fascinating book by Helena Kelly where she's got a new look at Charles Dickens. We're going to get into that a little bit later. And then uh, our colleague Brian Kilmeade will join us uh, towards the end of the program to give us his view on uh, on what's in the news, including the presidential race. You know, a lot of folks talking about this presidential race. We're going into Nevada, going into South Carolina, and uh, a lot of folks kind of uh, are of the view that this election is over, that Nikki Haley should bow out, at least on the Republican end of things. How do you view it, uh, Dominic? Do you think Haley should uh, should kind of throw in her... Uh, throw you know, throw in her two cents and and you know, Frank, I'm I'm a straight shooter. I call them the way that I see them. And I I have a pretty good track record of assessing these things. Frankly speaking, there was never a Republican primary. I know on paper and, and in terms of the voting, you know, in terms of Iowa and New Hampshire and coming up soon, Nevada and South Carolina, her home state, where she's trailing by almost, what, 25, 30 points to Trump. It's over. 
it's going in terms of the Republican primary, it's going to be a Biden Trump rematch. And right now, all of my money goes on Trump. I just feel that he has all the momentum going with him. But you know, Frank, I, I, again, see, you just got off of my point that I'm pissed off at you. I'm coming back to that because <laughs> I'm not going to get any sleep listening to this great show that you're about to do. And here's what I mean, Frank. You started out the week, right? And I, my last question I want to ask you is how do you come up with these topics? Because you started out the week talking about stamps. You did a segment with a guest <laughs> on stamps, and I found it fascinating, really fascinating. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, uh, you know, I, uh, I still send a lot of letters. Do you, do you ever send uh, actual physical mail these days, Dominic? Because Only when, I- only, only when necessary <laughs> and, uh, and perhaps only certified. And, and that's often not a good thing when you have to send a certified oh, I, letter. I get it, my friend. I get it. But uh, to me, I, I think there's something very charming about, uh, uh, about sending a, a good old-fashioned letter these days. And most people don't do it. And uh, I, I uh, you know, when you're going to raise the price of the stamp from 66 Six cents to sixty-eight cents. Look, it's only two cents. Not the biggest deal in the world, but it is. Uh, it is annoying. So I stocked up on my forever stamps before that uh, that postage uh, price increase. Smart. So I have a few for you. So uh, well, tomorrow I'll bring Smart. in a few for you, and we'll we'll trade. Smart. We'll trade. Smart. Thank you, my friend, and, and I'm looking forward to this morning's show. Thank you, my brother. I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. The great Dominic Carter. If uh, you're not in the New York area, you can listen to him every day from uh, midnight to 1 Eastern. Listen on uh, WABCradio.com. Uh, there is nobody who is more insightful when it comes to national politics, local politics, especially uh, these days with a lot of crimes, crime issues than, than he is. I wanted to bring this to your attention. Speaking of crime, to me, this was a very disappointing story. And and I'm putting it very, very mildly. You know, do you go to Starbucks ever? I'm not a Starbucks guy. I like the local coffee shops. I like diners. I'm not a chain person. But my dad is. My dad goes to Starbucks all the time. My wife, too. My wife, Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. Whatever it is about Starbucks, the people that love Starbucks love Starbucks. And to me, I, you know, I've been to Starbucks and it's okay. Uh, To me, the coffee tastes burnt. And even if it's, you know, at a regular temperature, you, you drink some of it, it just tastes burnt. The one Starbucks drink that I can deal with, I like the Cafe Americana, which is basically an, an, an espresso uh, drink with water, as I understand it. Other than that, you can have it. I, I don't like the whole Starbucks culture. I don't like the people that, uh, that go there and hang out there all day long. I don't like the way the coffee tastes. I don't like that it's taken over the world. I don't like that it's putting small-scale coffee shops out of business. However... There is someone that I consider to be a model Starbucks employee, and he is now out of work. His name is Michael Harris. Former Starbucks employee Michael Harris was terminated. He was fired after he and his co-worker um, prevented... The Starbucks location at 2112 South Grand Boulevard from being robbed. Harris and Devin R- Jones Ransom fought back against the robbers.
When one of the robbers struck a patron over the head with his gun, it cracked and they realized that the gun was fake. So this was a case, one of several legal issues taken up by St. Louis on the Air's legal roundtable. And to me, this man absolutely should not have been fired. And yet he was. And so now this gentleman, who I think was pretty close to a model employee, is suing because he was fired. To me, I don't understand for the life of me how Starbucks, an entity, a corporation, a company that should be thanking this guy, is firing him. And here we are. So this uh, former Starbucks employee was terminated from his job. And in a press release, the law, uh, the law firm that's representing this gentleman, Mr. Harris, says that he was wrongfully terminated after stopping a robbery at a St. Louis, Missouri Starbucks location on December 17th. The firm said that two gunmen entered the coffee shop and began robbing customers. And Harris told the local NBC affiliate, I thought I was going to die that day. They walked in and announced that it was a robbery. So the press release from the law firm said that Harris complied with Starbucks handbook rules, which recommended employees not engage in robbery incidents at the store. So he complied. He complied with the robber's demands until it was no longer an option for himself and others. Simple as that. He was doing the right thing. And then when the two men demanded cash from the register, Harris said that he tried to comply with their demands, but he didn't have the proper managerial clearance to gain access to the computer register. So because he took too long, one of the thieves pistol whipped him. So one of Harris's co-workers noticed that when he was pistol whipped, that portion of the weapon broke off and they concluded the gun was fake. That's when they noticed and started to fight back. So the guy gets beaten with a fake gun. The gun breaks. They see it's a fake gun and they say, oh. These guys aren't real robbers with real guns. Well, they're real robbers, but they're not with real guns. We're going to fight back. So after a fight ensued, one of the men ran off, and Harris and his co-worker, Devin Jones Ransom, were able to restrain the other guy until police arrived. But weeks after the incident, Harris said he got a call saying he was being fired. Out of the blue... Michael Harris and Devin, the other co-worker, were fired from the company without explanation as to what, if any policy was violated or what they should have done differently. We don't know. They never told them. Now, again, we only have Mr. Harris's version of events. Starbucks, when they've been asked about it by other media organizations, they haven't really uh, commented. To me, this is crazy. Not only should they be giving this guy a bonus, they should give him three weeks paid vacation. And yet, he was fired. And he's got a suit. I don't understand the world in which we're living in. And again, maybe it's because I'm not a Starbucks guy. I don't get the Starbucks culture. Maybe some of you that go to Starbucks can fill me in. 800-848-9222-800-848-9222. As far as I'm concerned, this is not the kind of person that should be fired and need to retain an attorney to get his job back or get some sort of compensation here. But I think this is just awful.
awful. Tell me what you think. 800-848-9222. Hey, uh, big shout out again to the good folks at uh, WCCO in Minneapolis. Uh, We're going to talk all things Minnesota and all things pillow with Mike Lindell of MyPillow coming up in about 10 minutes. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Let me begin by saying hello to Bobby on Long Island. Hi, Bobby. Hey, how you doing? I would venture to say I am doing pretty well. So I read that Starbucks article, but I didn't hear all the details. Um, you had a few more details. For, I read when it first came out. Sounds like he did a great job. That's that's ridiculous. How does that guy get fired, Bobby? I mean, I mean, uh, really, I honestly, I, I'm I'm talking about you. You take the most charitable view from Starbucks's perspective. Um, how does this guy get fired? Nine out of ten of Starbucks employees probably uh, would not have the courage. They'd be you know, handed over all the cash, hide behind the counter. They should they should give a promotion. Uh, agreed, agreed. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely insane. But crazy, crazy, crazy. I was going to mention on the uh, migrants attacking the police in New York City. I wanted to ask: so is that Alvin Bragg, who is the one who makes the decision to uh, release them with no bail? You know, that's a good question. Um, so there, there's a state law specifying what crimes you're eligible to get bail for. And so uh, supposedly both the prosecutor and the judge is supposed to adhere to whatever is prescribed by state law. I don't know what crime these uh, these people that attack the police officer will ultimately charge with. I don't know if it was a bail eligible offense. And, you know, shame on me for not knowing that. But um, it, you yes, usually it's the prosecutor that has to make the decision to charge them with a crime that's a bail eligible offense. If they make the decision not to bring a charge that has a bail eligible uh, a bail eligibility, then then the rest of it is academic. I don't know um, I don't know what these folks were charged with. I would think though that a violent crime of the nature of assaulting a police officer, I would think that that certainly is bail eligible. I, I can't imagine how they would uh, let these folks out within a day. Yeah. One thing I think is going to happen, because uh, a lot of community complaints are coming in, these migrants, some of them are driving on these scooters, you know, not following the rules and whatnot. I think the cops are going to come down real hard on them. You know, I, I tend to think you're right, but the the one thing that we've been covering, uh, not just in New York but around the country, is a lot of police officers are under a level of scrutiny that they've never been under before. And a lot of police officers, including uh, police officers that I'm friends with, they're terrified of getting indicted themselves or losing their pension or getting a CCRB complaint. They're terrified to do anything that could be perceived as at all being adversarial to the folks that they're arresting. So I would agree with you under normal circumstances. I'm just not sure we're living under normal circumstances. 800-848-9222. Chris is in New Jersey. Hi, Chris. How you doing, Vinny? You do an amazing show, really. I just want to say that first. Thank you. Um, you know what I what, what I feel about this incident? It's it's a you know it's a germ of Vinny? a much bigger issue to me. And what's happening he in this country is you know okay. our country was found on independent you know freedom, individual freedom, you know Who's to go Vinny? and do what you want and make your way. And what's happening is you know this victim mentality of you know I'm Vinny owed Madunia? and you need to give me and I need to take and you know it's like this right to do I that. So these robbers, I'm saying, that, you know, Vinny. they feel this right. 
right to just go in this place and do that. Or the CVSs, you know, and now there's law about, you know, oh, if it's under a thousand, that's okay. Meanwhile, they go at 20, 30 at a time and they all take under a thousand and they're, you know, and the, and our, you know, law, you know, especially Alvin Bragg and stuff, they're not, you know, doing anything about this. They're almost, they're almost encouraging it. So I just feel the spirit of America is about individual freedom and people going out and it's made from individuals, all the innovations, all the technology, everything we've done for humanity is from individuals going out and doing that. And now I feel like it's, we're not teaching our history and the greatness of what that means. And, you know, people just want things. They just want handouts. They think they're owed handouts. Um, and I just, you know, I'm, I don't believe it. So I think that this story I'm saying is just one of the things that are symbolic of what's happening. So that was my two cents uh, I, I agree with you, Chris. Thank you. I mean, uh, give, give our best to Vinny, whoever that uh, person is. But I appreciate the call very much. And uh, I tend to agree with everything you said. Mike Lindell coming up in about five minutes. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Devin is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, Devin. Hey, good morning, Frank. Hey, listen, I was uh, driving home and hear Dominic talking about that thing, man. And I go and check it out, man. Let me tell you something, man. This is one time I think the police should use his weapon, man. This thing is disgusting. It is disgusting. And I do not know pertaining Eric Adams and all these people and whatever, man. But it's disgusting. And believe me, I'm a Jamaican. And I'm telling you, it's disgusting. This is not good. Devin, this I is bad. I agree with you. Look, I'm not going to comment about uh, whether or not police should be more aggressive in using their weapons, but uh, you could certainly understand that uh, that mentality. But I agree with you. There's no excuse for this, as far as I'm concerned. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Frankie is in Highlands. Hello, Frankie. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, it's despicable. What is being prepared is a revolution, a revolution that will supersede all of the despicable things that are going on. Um, The NBAA uh, is assuring that profiteering for military uh, is protected, these lobbyists. Um, there's uh, yeah, these police who, who, who join the forces to, to, to bring peace and maintain peace are being, uh, are being challenged uh, uh, like no one in America mm-hmm. uh, uh, wants. Um, uh, uh, this, this, uh, we can't wait for Trump. We can't wait for 2025 election. We have to do this now. The escalation of violence, of despicable violence, is out of hand. And so the voice of humanity must take over. It's over 80% of us. And we're preparing to come out with this voice that says, stop it. Stop the violence. Stop the aggressive violence. And we're going to be able to pluck out the despicable without harming the innocent and becoming or becoming the despicable. Thank you, Frankie. We're going to have to end it there. Uh, we got Mike Lindell waiting in the wings, uh, the uh, CEO and founder of MyPillow. We're going to get into that and a whole lot more in just a minute. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. 
The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. According to Duran Duran, this is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from my friend Mike Wolf, one of uh, my oldest friends and a great guy and someone who is uh, celebrating his birthday today. And uh, like so many New Yorkers, he made the, the, the move from the New York area to Florida, where he's apparently enjoying it very much. Uh, we certainly miss him in the New York area, but uh, happy birthday to you, Mike Wolf. Hey, speaking of Mike's, I want to welcome to the program. This is our uh, first full show airing on uh, WCCO in Minneapolis, a 50,000-watt flamethrower, which uh, lights up the Midwest. And uh, when you're thinking of Minnesota, there's, to me, one person that immediately springs to mind. That is my friend, a guy that's a real innovator, the guy, a guy that has one of the most fascinating life stories ever, and that is a man who's not only a best-selling author, man who's become very well-known as a political activist these days, but a guy who is uh, the founder and CEO of MyPillow, my friend Mike Lindell. Mike, it's great to talk to you again. How you been? 
I've been great. Thanks for having me on, Frank. Mike, uh, a lot I want to get into you, uh, w- w- get into with you in a, in a sh- relatively short amount of time. But this might be the first time a lot of folks are hearing you and your story. Obviously, everybody knows who you are from the commercials and so on and so forth. But I read your book. The book is fascinating. I knew some of the stories that you talked about in your book even before that. You were not long ago. A crack addict. How did you make the transition from being a crack addict to being the inventor of one of the most successful consumer sleeping products of all time? Well, you got to go back to uh, um, I was very much uh, from the early or late, late 70s and early 80s, a uh, uh, very functioning addict. I think people look at addiction and they go, well, that's just people in the streets that uh uh, homeless or whatever, and uh, um, but that's not true. It's uh, you know, I had a very, very successful businesses, and I raised a family twenty years, have four kids, and uh, it doesn't matter how many forks you eat with, addiction mm. can affect anyone. And and uh, so you got into which cocaine got through. I owned a bar for thirteen years, so I was very probably not a good place for an addict. But <laughs> uh, um, we. Uh, we, uh, I was into cocaine. That switched to crack cocaine in the right around the year 2000, and um, I ended up selling the bar in 2003, and then I invented my pillow in 2004. And so, in 2004, I was turned down. I took a year to invent the pillow. I was turned down at the, all the box stores. That's come full circle, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Believe me. Then, yeah, and then, uh, but but I had the pillow, and I came and uh, um, I started. I was turned on it, so I did kiosk and home shows for for years. At at the same time, having on another parallel track, deep into addiction with crack cocaine, um, uh, lost a twenty year marriage, and uh, but God protected that 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 the business of my pillow, and. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be high, obviously, at the shows, and I could, could separate the two. And um, But uh, actually, in 2008, um, the drug dealers actually did an intervention on me in, in Minneapolis. Um, downtown Minneapolis, I'd been out for f- about 14 days. I came out of the room, and all three of them were standing there. Well, the Mike, I, I, but- I just want to pause and get you to reiterate what you're saying here, because I, it may come, some people are listening as they're half asleep. They may be listening quickly as they're driving home somewhere, because what you said is pretty remarkable just now. You were uh, in the midst of crack addiction, and you said the people that did an intervention for you and an intervention on your behalf were the drug dealers. The drug dealers yeah, were yeah. actually trying to get you off drugs. Yeah, yeah, this uh, this quite a that's quite a night story. And they, but I came out of the bedroom, and they're all three standing. Now they knew of each other, but they had never met. And they each, each controlled sections of the city, and they. And they one guy says, uh, you've been up for 14 days, and uh, and uh, we're cutting you off. And I said, what, is this an intervention? They go, call it whatever you want, Mike. And the, the one guy left, and the other guy um, who went down the streets must have got the word out. Well, then the other guy sat there, um, Ty sat there, and I sat in the chair. He said, how much crack you have left? And I showed him, and and uh, I started smoke, you know, smoking what I had left, and I ended up running out. I was carpet farming and scraping the pipe. And I look over and he had fell asleep. 
and I was 2.30 in the morning. I slipped down to downtown Minneapolis, and I went into the streets to get crack, and I could nobody would sell it to me. I, they had gotten the word out. I came back an hour later, all defeated, and walked in, and he was awake. He's sitting up for me. He said, how'd that work out for you? And I was so upset, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, give me, he goes, give me that, give me your phone. He goes, I'm going to take a picture. He took a picture, and he said, man, you've been telling us for years that you're going to quit someday and come back and help us all out of this addiction world we're living in. And he said, we're not going to let you die on us. He said, you take that picture for that book you're going to tell us you're, you've been telling us you're going to write someday. Well, I was kind of like their hope, I guess. And by the way, two of them work for me now, and they're born-again Christians. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, yeah, and it, and, but he, I didn't quit then. It was a year later, by the grace of God, on January 16, 2009, I quit everything. Overnight, I prayed to God I would never have the desire again, and I woke up. It was a miracle there. The desire was gone. And then, uh, but during that whole time, now, my pillow then was just a little dot on the, you know, I had the shows, my business had been taken, a lot of betrayal by other people that I broke bread with. And uh, I spent two years kind of getting my, getting it back, you know, the home shows and fairs that they had taken with this copycat pillow. Well, then in 2011, I um, I said, you know what? I said, uh, I told my friends and family, I said, I have a dream of an infomercial. We're going to be the biggest in the world. Well, I didn't know infomercials don't work. They're just to go into the box stores to brand, you know, cheaper branding to go into the box stores, which didn't want us anyway. Well, we pulled our money, and in August of 2011, we went to film that. And we they brought in a real producer from from uh, California, I guess, and 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 I wanted to dream of a live audience. And I had really I couldn't talk in front of people. And I in my book I said, you know, I, I had a fear of rejection. I'd come out of addiction and stuff, and and they and it was you don't get rejected if you don't talk. Well, I I would do great at home shows and stuff with a table in front of me, but I step out behind that table and I would be very almost introverted, shy. Well. I, we, we go to do this, our reads the night before this infomercial, and, I, and we're reading off the, you know, our script, and the guy texts the other guy, the producer, and says, this is the worst guy I've ever seen. He'll never make it on TV. The other guy texts him and said, just, be, just let it go. He's paying you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, then the next, the next day I get down and I, I walk out, and our live audience is there, and I just was petrified. I couldn't talk. And an hour and a half went by to say one line, and I said, could we please bring in a table and take away the teleprompter? I just want to do it naturally like I did at the shows. And, and we did it, and um, I had tw- it aired October 7, 2011. In the middle of the night was our first airing ever. And I had about 10 employees, and 40 days later I had 500. And we had the number one infomercial in the world by the end of December. And, um, you know, here we are now, 83 million my wow. pillows later. Oh, my goodness, that's imp- incredible. Now, everybody over the last decade that's seen a my pillow commercial, they see your smiling face. They see you wearing the uh, the chain with the crucifix on it. They see you and your, your mm-hmm. famous mustache. And they hear you and your ebullient endorsement of your pillow. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. 
the my pillow guy and you're looking good I'm still feeling good well just when you thought it couldn't get any better we've got the best pillow ever my pillow 2.0 now mike explain to me kind of your marketing strategy in why you chose to be not just in the infomercials but the commercials yourself obviously you could have uh, hired an actor even more famous than right. you and uh, he could have delivered whatever lines you wanted him to deliver why do it yourself that was sort of i mean other people had done it uh, the hair club for men guy for instance but uh, other right. than that it was it was relatively rare to be the go-to guy for your own right. product why were you your own pitch man well that's an that's uh, that's a good a good point but here's what happened by the summer of 2014 our original infomercial had fatigued and we had made so many mistakes in 2012 we had everything was hired out and I pulled and I woke up one day at the end of 2012 and we were like six million dollars in debt and I'm going and so all these mistakes had been made and what I did then is I I took went to a new marketing thing where everything had its own promo code and one eight hundred number so you could track the success of each individual spot. Well, that was that worked fine with that half hour infomercial, but then when that fatigued. We needed to make a one-minute commercial. Then we tried a one-minute commercial, and it failed miserably. And that was October of 2014. And this gal, this gal said to me, she came up in one of uh, that worked for me. She said, "You know, you need to be in the commercial." I said, "Well, it said, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think that was that that would make a difference." And and I so I went ahead and went in it and. It was like 10x. It was, you know, and I think that's that's because, you know, just because I had so much passion for it, for the my pillow because it worked. It helped me. I just wanted to um, spread spread the word. And I think it's kind of like when I do like radio hosts or anyone in the country that sells my pillow. I will have I will fit them with the pillow, have them sit so you believe in the product. Then the passion just comes through in the in the in anything. Uh, you're selling. I would never sell anything that I didn't believe in. Um, period. I mean, if I, uh, but when I believe in something, I don't ever stop. I get behind it. So I think that's, you know, that was why it was mm. like, it was kind of out of, at first, just out of necessity. It was kind of like, well, we'll try that the one last chance. And, and it just exploded. If people and, uh, are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Mike Lindell. He is the inventor of MyPillow. You can go to MyPillow.com, see all the great products that they have available on there. Now, Mike, when I, when I first met you, you were largely non-political. You would go on any show that wanted to have you, and you would, uh, you know, liberal shows, conservative shows, non-political shows, and you would talk about pillows, you would talk about your story, variety of other things. By the way, if people are interested in Mike's story, they should check out his book. The book's called What Are the Odds? It's it's available um, on Amazon or on MyPillow.com, really wherever books are sold. It's a great, great story. Uh, and it's a lot more than just a business memoir. But then you really went gung-ho into being for Donald Trump. Now, Michael Jordan used to say that the reason he didn't get political is because both Democrats and Republicans bought sneakers. Well, obviously, both Democrats and Republicans buy pillows. The, the safe thing for you to do would have been not to say who you're voting for and just keep selling pillows to Democrats and Republicans. Give me your uh, rationale, Mike, for why you okay. chose to be out, so outspoken on behalf of Donald Trump. Well, um, here's, what, here's what happened. I had never voted before in my life. 
I didn't know a Democrat from Republican. I was a crack addict. I was an ex-addict. I didn't think politics mattered one bit. Well, then, you know, it, it got to uh, into 2015 and 16. And when Donald Trump came down that escalator, um, I, you know, I started paying attention. He's here's this guy running for president that's actually, uh, you know, run this big company. He's very fa- this famous uh, entrepreneur. And I had never seen his uh, apprentice or any of that stuff. I, everybody just knew his name and the success, the American dream there. Well, by a divine appointment, by the summer of 2016, all of a sudden I got invited by him to come to New York City uh, and, and meet with him. And he, on August 15th of 2016. So I went out there to meet him. It was just him and I in his office. And I walked in and he said, uh, Mike, he goes, I always see you wearing a cross on TV. Are you a Christian? I said, yes, Mr. Trump, and this is a divine appointment. But I I wasn't nervous. It was pretty amazing. And and he had no agenda. He he just asked me, he goes, you know, I want to know, how is it you're making all your pillows here? How does that work? Because I want to bring the manufacturing back. And and they told me, whatever you do, don't tell me you're a crack addict. Well, I go, you know, I go, sir, I was a crack cocaine addict. And I said, I'm going to have this network. So my or um, the Lindell Recovery Network is going to help addicts. It's going to be free online and help addiction across the country. And he goes, you know, and he goes, I'm going to close that border and stop the drugs from pouring in. So it was this great. I, I was listening to him. It was like problem solution. I go, this guy. I walked out of his office 40 minutes later. There's no agenda that he had whatsoever, other than I could see his passion, wanting to help the country. And he was here's he asking me stuff about. You know, like, here's this guy from Minnesota, this ex-crack addict, and I'm going, wow. And it really seemed like he, that he mattered what I, you know, the my opinion or what would, what would matter. You know, because I was, by then I was, you know, pretty famous for making my products here and, and gotten pretty big. Well, I left his office. I said, wow, if he's a president, he's going to be the greatest president ever. Well, I walked in. I talked to a lot of his employees, and every one of them said the same thing. They said, they said, great man, great leader, but it was very interesting. Every one of them said something personal that he had done for them to help them out. Every one of them that I talked to, he goes, and I got a story for it. He helped me when nobody else would, didn't, you know, and that just meant so much. I go, wow, this is the, what I just seen is, it seems like the real deal now. Hmm. It was like a confirmation. Came back to Minnesota. And I said, I got to do a press release. I was the media's darling, everybody. I could say, <laughs> I'm going to walk across the street, uh, and they'd be 10 people. Hey, how fast can walk? How many more employees are you hiring? Wow, the American dream. You went from a crack addict to getting saved to this, uh, you know, huge company made in America. And, well, I went to, I did the press release, and all I said in it was I met Donald Trump in a, in a meeting. I didn't even say what we talked about. And the media turned on me and attacked me like I've never been attacked. And wow. I go, what? I go, what is this? I go, I didn't understand it. I'm going, what did they, you know, it threw me for a loop. But boy, that was good training for what was to come later on. So, anyway, when that happened, I went all in. I so, went all in. I said, there must be some evil behind this. So let's talk about uh, what you've been doing uh, recently, last three or three and a half years. You were gung ho that the 2020 election was not exactly fair and honest, more so than almost anybody. You did these seminars with PhDs and a bunch of other yep. things. Uh, you there were boycotts against you a bunch of other things um 
then let's go to the present day. There were times okay. where some of the programming on Fox News, you were the only ad that you would see on controversial shows like Tucker Carlson and uh, and so forth. A couple of weeks yep. ago, it's reported that you're not advertising on Fox News anymore. Fox News is saying it's because you're not paying your bill. Uh, you had a little bit more of a, a, a nuanced perspective on that. What's the story, Mike? Why? Give us the straight dope. Why are people right. not okay. seeing your ads on Fox News anymore? Okay. Well, you got to take it back, everybody, to January of 2021. After January 6th, on January 7th and 8th, the, the day they tried to turn out our voices forever. 1.2 million Americans were deplatformed, and the rest were too scared to speak out about the election or, or Donald Trump because of January 6th. On January 9th, I was handed evidence that explained why they had all, I had done my own investigation. There were all these counties in the United States and states where all these people had voted that didn't live there. And I go, people are good people. I can't imagine 4,000 people running into Wisconsin going, hey, let's go vote for Biden. It didn't make sense. I, I, I look at numbers and it didn't make sense. Well, on January 9th, I was handed evidence that did make sense because it was computers. So I never let up. And by the spring of, and, and when I started talking about it, loudly all of us i got the biggest boycott 22 retailers dropped the number one product they've ever had every single box store across the country i, I got banned at twitter um and you name it they they boy boycott and just banned me just to kicked out their number one product just because i'm speaking out about hey i have this i have this doesn't anybody care well by the spring of 21 I went on Jimmy Kimball to get the word out, and he attacked me there, but he asked me one thing. He said, Mike, if your friend Donald Trump had been selected, like you say, would you still be sounding the alarm? And I said, absolutely, I would. This isn't a Democrat or Republican thing. This mm -hmm. is a people. We have a big problem with our election platforms. Now, I got attacked and attacked and attacked. Then it kind of, then it let... It led up everything that could be boycotted. Got boy. The last one was Walmart, I think, a year ago, and um, but you name it, they had all the all the um, shopping channels. So then you bring it up to this August, everybody. In August, I came out with a plan to secure our elections, to get us to paper ballots, hand counted, same day voting. A beautiful plan I laid out in August. From that time on, my pillow got attacked and canceled like no time in history. Wow. And it's all about because their CEO is to secure election. What happened is one after another, I got debanked, demerchants, uh, merchant server left, American Express squish, all the, all the creditors out there, vendors. If I had 90 day credit, they squished it to 30. Fox was the last one on, in November. They said, you know what? Your normal 90 day credit, we want 60 day credit. They went from 12 weeks to eight weeks. And we complied. We spend about a million dollars a week we were spending on, on Fox. Went all the way through December, and then we went to do our ads in uh, uh, our new commercials to test them. And they said no. And uh, we were very, uh, you know, I put out, I, I thought it was because uh, we added Lou Dobbs to my network. I have Lindell TV. We added them on a Monday, and they did this on a Wednesday, and uh, two or three days before the Iowa caucus. Hmm. Now, I do have breaking news on that, though. I think because I have a media company that buys from them. I don't buy from them directly. And uh, I just heard when today that they might have worked out something 
Um, so I'll do, you know, stay tuned for that. So well, yeah, we'll keep an eye. We'll we'll keep an eye out for that. You know, you're right. Go ahead. You know, you are right about one thing with all the back in the day with Tucker. I don't take. I advertise on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. It didn't matter. I kept politics. I this is my employee-owned company, and they and whatever we can get to help the employees and our customers, we're going to do. So, Mike, how are you doing these days? You're not exactly destitute, are you? Do I need to give you a loan or something? No, what I've got, what the, the part the part that I have to, you know, I did have lawyer. That was very famous. You know, we were paying $2 million for these uh, frivolous uh, lawfare lawsuits. And and uh, we, we got different lawyers. I talked to the lawyers before they left. I said, I've got to, I've got to get, uh, you know, get, I'm a businessman. We're going to get, you can't keep paying that kind of money. So we got, we, we switched law firms to a lot uh, lesser rate. And then also, uh, but the biggest thing is, I put tens of millions mm. of dollars in to everything for these platforms across the country. Had nothing to do with defense. This was to go out, uh, any to investigate, um, to get rid of the electronic order machines and get paper ballots. Mm. And I've been doing that for two years, and that's with LindellPlan.com. And now that's I'm out of money for that. I'm completely out of money. So I can't. So that's when I've reached out to the public to, you know, to go to LindellPlan.com and help it out. We were ninety percent there, and we need to have fair elections like uh, Argentina did it in four months. Taiwan just did one. You have all over the world. You have uh, where they have uh, paper ballots hand counted where people trust their elections. Uh, on that note, Mike, we're gonna have to end it there. It's great to talk with you. I appreciate you spending some time with us late at night, and uh, I can't think of anybody now that we're on in Minnesota that we would rather kick things off with than you. Thank you, my friend. Best of luck to you. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Mike Lindell. Uh, check him out, MyPillow.com. Questions, comments, thoughts, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I found a love. kind of music we're, we're performing or playing on this show you can join our facebook group just search morano radio fans and haters on facebook that's m-o-r-a-n-o radio fans and haters uh this is a uh, birthday bumper music selection by one of our greatest listeners bridget guzzi and uh, she and her husband robert listen to this program all the time they're great listeners and they've become uh, great friends and again I-, I don't know what it is about people that are born on february 1st but uh, much like my friend mike wolf she made the, the she and robert made the hop skip and a jump from uh, the new york area to florida where they happily reside a lot to get to over the course of the next few hours. We're going to take your calls at 800-848-9222. 
That's 800-848-9222. Uh, Debbie Schlussel will be here next hour. We'll talk movies and more. And uh, we'll uh, get into the news of the day with uh, Brian Kilmeade. We'll also talk Charles Dickens. Meantime, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. 